0: Mark chapter six and verse seven, and if you'd stand with us, please, for the reading of the Word of God, we'll read a few verses uh, before we pray. It says in verse seven, and he called unto him the twelve. We'll be talking about the twelve today—twelve apostles. He called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power. "...over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse." Sounds like a Baptist, right? Baptist preacher. No money in their purse. "...but but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into an house, there abide till you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That's a strong warning, isn't it? If they won't listen to you, if they won't take your message seriously, shake the dust off your feet, go to the next town, but one day they will answer for their rejection of the truth. Verse 12, and they, talking about the twelve, and they went out and preached... That men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and heal them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and thank you that we have a Bible that we can read and study and seek to understand and apply to our life and to live by. And Father, we're just grateful today for your goodness in our life, for your grace in our life. And as we just heard in song, all the things that you've done for us, we're thankful for it. Bless as we study together, work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the Bible says in verse 7 that he began to send them forth. So we have the sending out of the 12, and I want to... Take a few minutes this morning, and kind of the introduction of this message, the first part of it, and think about the twelve, the unique calling of these twelve. Uh, in verse seven, where it says that he sent them forth, that phrase "sent them forth" in our English Bible is translated from a single word in the Greek "apostello." He sent them forth. Sent them forth. Apostello is to send away. It's to uh, send out. It's where we get our word apostle. These were sent out. They had already been set aside. Hold your finger there and turn to the left a little bit in Mark chapter 3. Mark records this. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. To ordain, it says he or a lot of times we think of ordaining as an ordination service or a ceremony. But the word ordained there in Mark 3:14, he ordained twelve. The word ordained means to place or to put or to set. So he put or placed these twelve in this special position. And they were uh, also called apostles. In Luke chapter 6, it says this And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them, of the total group of disciples, he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. These twelve were also called apostles. If you look there in Mark chapter 3, where we're reading, just to make mention of this before we move on, it says in verse uh, 13, He called unto them, and in verse 14, he ordained them. And notice the two things in their job description. Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. That they should be with him. He called them to be with him. And they spent a lot of time with him. Some spent more time with him than others. Where most people would know Peter, James, and John... Spent unique times with Him. The other apostles even didn't get to spend time with Him. But He called them to be with Him. This is very important. They wanted to, He wanted them to be with Him, to spend time with Him, to learn from Him, to watch Him, to get to know Him, to walk with Him, to live with Him. He called them, verse 14, that they might be with Him. And then that He might send them forth to preach. He would eventually send them out to preach and to minister. That's what we find in Mark chapter six. He, he finally, at this point in their ministry, verse seven, that he sends them forth. These apostles, these 12, they had a very unique calling and a very unique power unlike any others. I was reading this morning down in the discovery class that we have during the Sunday school hour today In Acts chapter two, it says many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Many wonders and signs. In Acts chapter five, it says by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought. And they did perform many miracles. I was just reading in the last few days in Acts chapter nine where Peter was called to the house of Tabitha. She was a disciple. They her certain, uh, uh, second name was Dorcas, and he was called her. The, the The disciples called Peter to come visit because Dorcas died, Tabitha died, and Peter came into the house and Peter raised her from the dead. Right? These signs were given to these apostles, and Paul himself, Saul of Tarsus, after he was converted, God called him to be an apostle. This is what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders. Now don't miss the language of Paul's epistle to the Corinthian church. The signs of an apostle were wrought among you. I say that to say these apostles had unusual powers. The signs of an apostle gift of miracles, gifts of healing, the signs of an apostle. I say these things this morning just as an introduction to this text in Mark chapter 6 because there's a lot of error propagated about apostles and in our current day and age. It's common today for preachers, sometimes men, sometimes women, to call themselves apostles. Uh, the truth is, Apostles, such as we find here, are no longer. Um, Some some religions, I'll say, uh, believe in apostolic succession. Maybe you've heard that terminology. Apostolic succession teaches that the apostles that we're reading about here in Acts chapter six, that those apostles' authority has been transmitted through the generations from these apostles To bishops and popes and others along the way. The Bible does not teach that. That is not scriptural. These apostles were unique. The truth is that God gave them these apostolic gifts, these sign gifts of miracles and healings, but they were temporary gifts. Now don't don't jump to a conclusion. I I still believe God performs miracles. I still believe that God heals people. But nobody has the gifts of healings and miracles that these apostles had. Now you'll hear that they do, and you'll hear you know, just not too awful long ago there was a report of a scandal really in South Africa. I believe it was South Africa, some country on the African continent, where some preacher had claimed to raise somebody from the dead and got a lot of commotion. A lot of people got excited about it until they found out that the whole thing was a hoax. Could God raise... You know, I was telling the teenage boys, this is not in my notes, I just happened to think about it. We talked about it in small groups the other night. I read a story on a news feed this past week where a man in another country, I'm trying to think of the continent that he was in. It could have been on the African continent, but it's not important. But anyway, this man was very sick. Taken, The family had taken him to the doctor. They had spent th- uh, over $10,000 in medical care. They ran out of money. And soon after they ran out of money, they pronounced the man dead. And had a funeral for him. At the funeral, he began to move. (laughs) And he's still being cared for medically, but he's alive. And I'm not going to say that the reason they pronounced him dead because it ran out of money, but it seems kind of like that. (laughs) But all he needed was an apostle. <laughs> I say that kind of in jest, but this—this—we ought, we ought to look to the Bible to find out what we believe, not look at culture, and not look at you know contemporary views about the Bible. It was through the apostles, as well as the prophets, that God transmitted to us His infallible, inspired word of God. For instance, in Ephesians 2 it says this, that the the churches of Jesus Christ, His churches, are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Now what does that mean? They're built upon the words of the apostles and prophets. And God gave us His word. But when the word of God was complete, the ministry of a prophet that foretells something or the ministry of an apostle were no longer necessary because we have the Word of God. And that doesn't mean God doesn't call people to preach, but we don't tell forth the Word of God. We're not prophets in the sense of the Old Testament prophets. We are telling forth what God has said. We're preaching the Word of God. And God still sends people out. like like he sent out the apostles, but he doesn't send them out in the same sense with the same power and authority. So we have these 12. They had a unique calling upon their life. And in verse 7 it says that he began to send them forth. They had been with him. They had been watching him. They had been listening to him. They had been ministering alongside him, But now He begins to send them forth. It also says in verse 7, He sent them by two and two. They worked together in a team ministry. They would go forward as a team ministry. One of the things that we prayed for. As soon as the Moore family came home from Nicaragua, we began to pray that God would allow them to be able to work in tandem with another family, another group. Uh, When they went out, and the Lord eventually led them, of course, to Botswana, and they're working with a family, Rob uh, uh, Johnson. Y'all have met Rob Johnson before. So they worked in tandem. They worked together. As I was reading over this passage, preparing for this message, I thought about the passage in Ecclesiastes where it says, Two are better than one. He sent them out by twos. And it says he gave them power in verse 7. He gave them power over unclean spirits. The word their power, is not the word uh, dunamis that we often think about, dynamic power. It's the word exousia. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. Verse 13 says they cast out many devils and anointed many uh, with oil that were sick and healed them. They healed those people that were sick. And God would take care of them as they travel. Look in verse 8. It says this. And, they, and commanded them. Jesus was part of their commission. And commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. Save a staff only. And no script, no bread. Uh, weren't taking food with them. No money in their purse. Uh, be shod with sandals, not put on two coats, that they were going to trust God to provide for them. They were going out by faith. And he said to them in verse 10... If in what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you uh, depart from that place. He gave them instructions. When you're going out there and, and someone receives you into their home, has hospitality, they welcome you into their home, then stay there. Don't be moving around. Stay there until you leave that area. That was the instruction that Jesus gave them. And then he gave them this caution. If you look in verse 11... And, whatsoever, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. If they won't receive your message, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next town." Now that was important for them to understand because they were going to find that they weren't always welcome. Their message was not always well received. And matter of fact, we just studied last week where Jesus himself in the town of Nazareth where he is from, people did not receive him. They did not receive his message. Matter of fact, he marveled. He marveled because of their unbelief. And those who were closest to him and knew him best didn't receive him. This is something the disciples of Jesus needed to be aware of. Don't think everybody's going to welcome your message. Don't think everybody's going to be excited about what you say. And then he said this, if they don't receive you, just shake the dust off your feet as a testimony and you go on. You move on. Move on to the next village. Move on to the next house. But there will be a severe judgment. Look what he says. I just want to read it again. I've already read it twice. Verse 11. It shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city, those who reject it. These people, Jesus said to his disciples, it's time for you to go now on your own. Travel. And when people receive you, stay with them and teach them and minister to them and help them. But if they do not receive you, shake the dust off your feet and go on. And they're going to be judged one day more severely even than Sodom and Gomorrah. You ought to let those words sink in today. You know, the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah have been really memorialized, remembered till now. Because of what God did concerning their immorality. Concerning their vile lifestyle. God rained fire and brimstone, right? Down on Sodom and Gomorrah for their vile iniquity, for their immorality. And Jesus said this. You may not understand it, you may not like it, you may not agree with it, but Jesus said it. Jesus said, Those who reject the gospel, those who hear the gospel and reject the gospel, will be more severely judged than those in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, there's one thing that's worse than not knowing the truth. And that's knowing the truth and rejecting the truth. When a person knows the truth and rejects the truth, there's severe consequences for that. That's a very sobering passage, I believe. If you're in... Mark there, hold your finger, we'll be right back to Mark 6, but go to the left, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11, because Jesus said similar things to other places and other people. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 20, I'll just begin here and read several verses. In Matthew 11 and verse 20, it says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. He began to upbraid those. Upbraid is not exactly a pep talk. (laughs) He began to rebuke them, scold them. And where was he? He was in a place where he had been working, but they refused to repent. They repented not. Verse 21, he began to call these cities out, call these towns out. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Tyre and Sidon were not cities of Israel. But if they had heard what you've heard, if they'd have seen what you've seen, they would have repented. But he said, you heard it all, you saw it all, and you didn't repent. Verse 22, but I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum. Now you know this, Capernaum was the place he spent most of his time ministering. It was like his home away from home during the three years of Jesus' Galilean ministry. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. I think these are sober words. I think these are words that we ought to all take seriously. It's a serious thing to reject the truth. It's a serious thing to reject the opportunity to believe. Jesus, I'm saying what Jesus said. Jesus said when you hear and know, and you refuse to do it, the consequences will be severe. There are many people in our country who've heard the gospel, but they've not taken it seriously. Maybe you know some. Maybe there are some in your family. Maybe people you work with. You've witnessed to those people. Jesus said it's a serious thing for them to reject the gospel. But he said to us, we have to be willing, if they won't receive it, to go on to somebody else. Don't let that get you down. Don't take it personally. This was the instruction Jesus has given the twelve. When you go out, some people won't receive it. But this will be the eventual consequences. We're back in Mark chapter 6. What was it they preached? In verse 12 it says, And they went out and preached... That men should repent. Doesn't say everything. That doesn't mean all they did was just say, Repent. That's, always, that's our whole message. Repent, repent, repent. Turn or burn. It wasn't, that wasn't all they had to say. But they did call men to repent. That was the message of John the Baptist, by the way. That was the message of Jesus. That was the message of his apostles. How could we be true to the Word of God and not preach repentance? That's not all we preach, but it's something we preach. Repentance to God and faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance to God and faith in Jesus Christ. What does repentance mean? It's worth repeating. It means to turn. It means to change your mind. It means means that you've had a change of heart, a change of idea. You can't change your life. Nobody can save themselves. I can't change my life. I never changed myself when I got saved, but I'll tell you what I did do, because by the grace of God, I changed my view about what I was doing. I got tired of sinning. I wanted a change in my life. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to know God. I was tired of what sin was doing in my life. And I say all that because some people want to preach, you can be saved, but you don't have to change how you feel about your life. No, there has to be repentance. There has to be an attitude change. You can't save yourself... Repentance is not a work. It's the work of the grace of God in our life. Aren't you glad today that God made you sick of sin? Thank God for it. Anybody can be saved. Right? Anybody can be saved. But men cannot be saved if they're committed to staying the way they are. Men cannot be saved by saying, well, I'm just going to pray this prayer and get baptized, but I'm going to keep on living in sin. that person... will not be saved. You must come to God with a repentant heart. You must want to be saved. You must want to be forgiven. You must want to be changed. Repentance describes the heart condition of a person who knows they need the Lord and they want to be saved. It's a change of mind. I couldn't fix... All the things wrong in my life when I was lost, God never expected me to. I never thought I was supposed to, but I knew this, I wanted to be saved. Thank God for it. Jesus told these disciples to go out and preach repentance. To preach the message of repentance. And they preached that. Thank God for it. Now as we think about this passage of Scripture this morning... I want to look at this passage and ask this question. How can we apply this to our life? We're not apostles, right? We haven't been called as apostles. We had not been given the power to raise people from the dead. We're we're followers of Jesus, most of us. We're, we're, We're disciples. We're learners. We've been born again. We're part of the family of God. What can we take away from this? And the first thing I want to say is this. We also have been sent forth. We may not be apostles or prophets, but we're to be his witnesses. We have just as much biblical authority and command to go forth and share the gospel as these 12 did. We have a testimony. If you're saved, you have a testimony. A story of, it's your story, but it's a story of God's grace in your life, how God has changed your life and forgiven you of your sins. Individually, we have a testimony. Collectively, we have a responsibility. As a body of believers, we have a responsibility to take the gospel to others. Locally, in our Jerusalem, in our community, we have responsibility to take the gospel. Globally, To the world, to the nations of the world, we have a responsibility, a commission, a command, a mandate to take the gospel to the world. We have the same sort of commission. We also should go in pairs. We also should go two by twos. We have also been given the power that we need as we go. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth, the ends of the earth. We've been given the power that we need. Every person here, these young men sitting up here, people who've just been saved a little while, people who've been saved a long time, people that are shy, people that are outgoing, people that are young, people that are old, we've all been given this responsibility to take the gospel to those who need the gospel. They were sent forth. And they were sent forth with power. The ability, the enabling of the Spirit of God. Another thing we can take forth from this lesson is this. This passage of Scripture. We won't always be readily accepted or received. People won't always receive our message. People won't always understand what we're saying. That makes some people nervous about it. What if they slam the door in my face? What if they make fun of me? What if they mock? It's a part of being a disciple. By the way, we shouldn't take it personally. We sometimes do, but we shouldn't. When a person rejects the gospel, please hear this, when a person rejects the gospel that we take to them, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Him. They're rejecting His truth. In that great passage in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they should be comforted. Blessed are they that are peacemakers. Blessed are those... Jesus gave these Beatitudes. and He said, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely for My sake. He said, Blessed are you for so persecuted they prophets before you. But He said, Rejoice! Because your reward will be great. Amen? It will be great. Jesus said so. We too have been sent forth. We too should go in pairs. We too may be rejected sometimes. We too have the power that we need as we go. May I say also, our message is the same as His. We're to preach the gospel, the good news. It's good news. That men and women need a Savior. They need a Savior. They may not be thinking about it, but they need a Savior. It's good news that people who are lost in their sin can be saved, can be forgiven, can be changed, can become a child of God. We preach that men must come to God through Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Through His death on the cross. And you must, we must receive him by faith, putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, the payment for our sins. And the moment a person does that, wherever they are, the moment a person does that, they're born again. They're saved by the grace of God. Our message is the same. May I say this to you this morning? We need to take ownership of this responsibility we have. We've been assigned the same commission as these 12 were given. What would you think? I had this thought this morning. What would you think of these 12 apostles? We just read about them. What would you think about these 12 apostles if they refused to do what Jesus commanded them to do? We wouldn't think very highly of them, would we? We'd think, what are you doing? You've got... You know, you've got the life changing message. You've got the power to do this. People need to hear it. What would we think about it? These new, you know, we're not going to turn to it, but we know this. New Testament Christians went everywhere preaching the gospel. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. They supported the work of evangelism through their personal efforts, through their financial contributions, through their energy, their time, their resources. We are to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. I cannot say this for all of us, but I think it may be true of some of us, and maybe too many of us, and maybe at some time, all of us. We're failing with our assignment, we're neglectful in our responsibility. It's not an option. It's not a request, it's a command. It's a responsibility. May I say to you today, there are a lot of churches in our area. When I say our area, I'm talking about the Franklin County area. There are a lot of churches. But how many of them are actively, consistently, faithfully sharing the gospel with others? Whether they are or not, I don't know. I find it an unusual thing. I've lived in this area. For 42 years, not one time, to my knowledge, not one time has anyone other than a cult come to my door and knocked on my door to share the gospel. We've been visited by cults a few times. We've never been visited by a New Testament Christian. By the way, don't come knock on my door just so you can ruin my illustration. I wonder if there's anyone else here today who could say the same thing. No one from a true, sound, gospel-preaching church has ever been to my door that I can think of. Let me see your hands. It's a lot of people. So I'm just wondering, who's doing this? Who's getting the gospel out? And who are we getting it out to? Please listen seriously and carefully. We need to take... This charge seriously. Local congregations of believers like this one offer a lot of things to the followers of Jesus Christ. We offer opportunities for people of all ages to come to learn, to grow spiritually in a number of different ways. We have times of meaningful corporate worship. It's an important part of what we do. We have fellowship with other like-minded believers. Iron sharpening iron. We encourage each other spiritually. But none of those responsibilities and opportunities cover or satisfy the responsibility we have to take the gospel to those who are lost in their sin. It's something we should all embrace. It's something we should all endeavor to be a part of. Take a gospel track in our pocket. Give it to someone where we shop. Talk to our neighbor. Talk to a person we work with. Talk to a family member. The same, virtually the same commission given to these apostles have been given to us. Two challenges and I'm done. Number one, if you're not saved, If you've not been born again, if you're truly not a child of God, come to Jesus today. You've heard all the gospel that you need to hear in order to understand the gospel and be saved. Come to Jesus today. Put your faith and trust in Him. That's the first challenge. Don't put it off till some other time, don't worry about what your friends are thinking. Here's the second challenge. If you're saved, would you commit yourself today to being a more consistent witness for Jesus Christ? You say, well, I don't know where to start. Well, talk to someone that you believe would know how and they'll help you get started. They may even go with you to help you or take you with them. This is a responsibility. This is a command. This is a mandate. This is a charge. If you're not saved, come to Jesus today. And if you are saved, today, while it's called today, this very moment in time, seriously commit or recommit your life to being a more consistent witness for Jesus Christ. You never know what a difference it might make in somebody else's life. But you know what? It'll also make a difference in your life.